2: Paul Pierce, three on the shot clock here. Step back, three. Got it!
3: Somebody, give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth and hey, go get the baby because she's crying. Green, again. points, uh, well for my team, you know, the uh, extra boost of energy, you know? I mean, you see the way the bitch reacts, uh, you know, the crowd moves, wow, uh, you know, that helps us out.
4: And now, welcome to the Celtics Beat with Daniel Baker. And welcome to the Celtics Beat, my name is Daniel Baker, and I am alongside... That's Adam, our very own Stats Adam from CLNS Radio, or Adam Lowenstein, all the way from St. Louis. How you doing this wonderful St. Patrick's Day afternoon, Adam? It's fantastic to join you here, and uh, just looking forward to talking about the Celts, who
1: seem to be playing well against the dregs of the NBA.
4: Yeah, and would you believe it if I told you right now that the Celtics are in the sixth seed for the playoffs right now? It feels kind of weird
1: because this entire 2 through 8, 2 through 7, however you want to jumble them together, this Eastern Conference is crazy. And the West is going to be a lot more captivating because there's just better teams out there. But almost anybody can beat each other. Two through seven in the East. Even Indiana, we're seeing how terrible they're looking recently. But the Celtics have found their way. I was listening to Mike Lupica earlier today, and he was talking about you know how the
4: Knicks have struggled. Every team in this Eastern Conference, except for the Heat, is beatable. And you mentioned how two through seven, two through eight, it's so close. Between Indiana, the two seed at the moment, and the Milwaukee Bucks, the eight seed at the moment, there's only a six and a half game separation, and everyone has about fifteen games or so left, uh, about seventeen games or so left in the regular season. That's just insane. Uh, personally, I think Milwaukee is pretty much set in that eight seed. I'm not sure either of the teams above, between Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, uh, even going to Brooklyn, is gonna fall that low. They're three games back. Doesn't sound like a lot, but I just don't know if Milwaukee has enough to get up. They're definitely not going to fall down Toronto's 12 below them. The playoffs are essentially set at the moment. But yeah, 2-8, really anybody's game. And a couple weeks ago, really didn't think that would happen. But you have the Celtics right now, winners of 16 of their last 22 games. And that is an important number because that's the amount of games that the Celtics have played without Rajon Rondo. Yeah,
1: it's amazing that the Celtics have stepped up recently. And we've seen it from many different guys at many different times. But, of course, the one main person who has been all around this has been Paul Pierce. He has filled in for Rajon Rondo as well as anyone could. He's taken over the rebounding. He's taken over the assists. Jason Terry's chipped in with the assists as well. But, of course, Kevin Garnett playing well. They missed Pierce, and you could see uh, the Celtics missing Pierce on Monday against the Bobcats. But then... Exacting revenge this past Saturday. Um, it was uh, it was last Tuesday that they lost the Bobcats without Pierce. But then followed it up with a back-to-back victory on Wednesday against the Raptors, but you can see the difference without Pierce. Without Pierce and without Rondo, this team is a lower-level team in the East, which we know is not very good compared to that West. (laughs) No,
4: and it's not surprising. When you take out your best player and then your best scorer, your two best overall players, obviously any team in the NBA is going to struggle. That's just what happens. There's no one that's that deep that that won't actually affect you in the NBA. But you did mention how much they missed. Paul Pierce in that first game against the Charlotte Bobcats this week. If you missed it on Tuesday, the Bobcats at home in Carolina down the Celtics by 26 points, 174. Essentially, the Celtics didn't really show up for that game. Paul Pierce was had a of night off thanks to Doc Rivers getting ready, having an eye on the playoffs, and also an all-worldly career-high game from Gerald Henderson, 35 points from him. And uh, that was on Tuesday. Celtics and the back-to-back games. They tend to struggle in at home against the Raptors. Though they came out on top, one by twenty-four points uh, on Wednesday, March thirteenth, and that was a big game for Jeff Green. He had a really uh, he led the team with twenty points. But really, the last two games, it's really been an all-around kind of game. No one has really had a spectacular game per se, but everyone just seems to be chipping in. Last game, all starters scored in double figures and Jason Terry led the team with 15 points off the bench this was last night against Charlotte with a 17 point win at home so that puts the Celtics at 36 and 29 and really you could argue that when healthy when all the players right now are on the court they might be playing their best basketball of the season
1: yeah it's nice to see them coming together and actually that Toronto victory is something that the Celtics have done a lot recently. Sean Grandy was talking about it. They have won now seventeen consecutive games on the second night of back to backs when they're at home. So when the Celtics, I know this won't come up in the playoffs, but for the regular season you can see that when they come home, and this has been crazy good, especially without Rondo. This Celtics team has been crazy good at home without Rondo. I know the road has been a little struggling. They're around five hundred, just a little bit below five hundred, but their point differential is around 10 at home, I think is over 10 after the victory against the Bobcats last night. It's amazing how this team can succeed at home.
4: And they've been on quite the roll at the TD Garden. Last night was their 11th win in a row at home in Boston. So they're very comfortable. And when you're talking about looking forward to the playoffs, it's not too early to start talking playoffs. I know the playoffs are really long, but it's really not that far away when you think about it, just about a whole playoffs away from getting to the playoffs, 17 more games, for the Celtics, but then you can start looking at home court advantage and how important that is. And right now at the moment, the Celtics are just two games back of from the Brooklyn Nets for that fourth seed, which really set them up nicely to get at least one round of the playoffs where they have home court advantage. Because even though I don't think home court at, matters as much in the NBA as it does in the NFL, the NHL, or MLB, It is important, and especially for a team like the Celtics, it is one of the better home court advantages when when the fans really do get into it. The Celtics just seem to have a swagger about them in the garden. And the Celtics
1: this year were one of the weakest teams on the road, and you
4: know what? They could be
1: still one of the weakest teams on the road as far as the teams that are going into the playoffs. And what happens here is that they've basically taken – they've said, all right, we're going to take this over at home. This TD Garden crowd has helped us – As well on the road, and it's odd how well the Celtics have done this season on the road with shoot, um, on, at home with shooting. So really, what's going to come down to is the Celtics getting up in that top four seed. They're going to need to really get up there in order to have a good chance at making it through the playoffs, and that's the problem because they're a little worried about you know they might, they might not be able to get in the top four, but the top four is important, and now it's getting ever so close. But rest is still important, so there's really going to be a lot of jockeying for rest or moving up the standings. That's what Doc Rivers' uh, decision is going to have to be down the stretch here.
4: And this past week, we've already talked about the rest. Pierce had the game off against Charlotte, and then against Toronto and Charlotte, the second game against Charlotte, Pierce really didn't have to play that much on the court, which was, was something nice. Because e- even though even when they're not taking a game off, you're really still are looking at the minutes, and that's definitely going to be something that Doc Rivers has to kind of juggle. It's a reason why they brought in a guy like DJ White and Shadlik Randolph just, just for these bodies to have uh, down the stretch. And looking towards tomorrow, Kevin Garnett, who sat out last night's game, was uh, made that win even more impressive. Kevin Garnett had a uh, strained left adductor, and as, as you told me before the show, he didn't practice today, He's and he's considered 50-50 to play against the Heat. That would be pretty huge. I really can't see the Celtics beating the Heat. And we'll get into this more a little bit later in this show with a couple of our guests. Uh, coming up in about five minutes or so, we're going to have Bob Lick, longtime New Orleans Hornets play-by-play announcer. And that will be very, very fun. Talk uh, talk some Hornets with him. We'll, obviously, Doc Rivers' son, Austin, is playing there. And my boy, Gravis Vasquez from Maryland, tearing it up in the Hornets. And also, we'll talk some heat and other teams in the NBA at 6.35 with Peter Vesey, a columnist with the New York Post and former NBC analyst slash NBA insider, so looking forward to that later on in the show, talking to them, heat. but again, without Kevin Garnett, how? Are you, I mean, are you concerned with, with this injury? Because the Celtics are usually pretty hush-hush about these kind of things. Well, it's going to be tough, and as far as the team playing without him,
1: you know, we've seen the ups and downs this season without Garnett, uh, but Really, with him off the floor, their defense is significantly worse. As far as Garnett's injury goes, most likely it's – very light and they're taking precaution because most people thought maybe he was even arrest going into Saturday because Doc Rivers was hinting towards resting Garnett again. So really what it's going to come down to is most likely he won't play tomorrow. I'm thinking it's more 75-25 that he won't play tomorrow because you just don't want to put him in harm in harm's way, especially with a Heat team that is frothing at the mouth since Paul Pierce you know, talked about how he, he wants... Uh, the Heat to lose every game the rest of the season. You know, that's going to bring that's going to prick up their ears a little bit more. Do you really
4: think, think that that was uh, too much motivation? I mean, the, the teams obviously don't like each other very much. Obviously, a great deal of respect between the two. But come on, of, of course, you're going to say you want your biggest competitor to lose every single game. That's that's just what you want. I think it's because
1: it got so much. I think it got so much media attention, or it seems to have, because there hasn't been much to talk about this past weekend, except for the heat streak and uh, the NCAA. I guess, but with as far as the NBA goes, it seems like that's really one of the only things to talk about. For some reason, the Lakers seem to not be getting as much press, even though they're doing pretty well. I think this this heat streak and Pierce's comments has kind of been. Uh, you know, conjured up into something. So that's what they're trying to bring into tomorrow as a story, and that's the reason why I think the Heat have a little bit extra motivation. Just a little bit, maybe not too much. But that's why I don't want Pierce, I don't want Garnett out there in a um you know, in a in a situation where he could get injured because it just does not put the Celtics in a good position because if he's not healthy, they're not moving out of the first round of the playoffs.
4: It will be quite the show tomorrow night. It is an an eight PM tip off, so Plenty of time to get back from work. It's going to be on ESPN. For the Celtics, it'll be a home game where they have been quite dominant against the Heat the past few seasons. Adam, what was the record you were telling me about?
1: 5-0 and oh in the regular season, 8-2, and two, including the playoffs in the LeBron era. So it's pretty impressive that the Celtics have been able to keep a winning streak, at least in the regular season, against this Heat team, and have an overall good winning percentage against a Heat team that has dominated the rest of the you know the rest of the uh, the NBA.
4: And we will have all kinds of coverage for that. I'm going to write the recap tomorrow night after the Heat-Celtics game should be a doozy. And as always, you can. Pay attention to our YouTube channel here at CLNS Radio for high-definition videos from the Celtics locker room, post-game shows, and more. Subscribe to CLNS Radio's YouTube channel. Most media outlets only give you one- to two-minute snippets of the players and coaches, but not CLNS Radio. Oh, no. On the CLNS YouTube channel, you will find full-length videos thanks to our own Jared Weiss, who does a terrific job inside the locker room. Wanted to get that shout-out in there. And looking forward, past the heat, the Celtics after that on Wednesday the 20th will face the New Orleans Hornets on the road at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. And coming up next to help us talk a little bit about their opponent will be Bob Licht. He is the longtime voice of the New Orleans Hornets, a great guy, a better announcer, And coming up next on The Celtics Beat with myself and Adam Lonestein, we will talk to Mr. Lick and uh, Switch. Here's the Western Conference. Stay with us on The Celtics Beat. Stay tuned for more of The Celtics Beat.
2: Hey, Mike Fay from Mike T here, just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. J. King of Celticstown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celticstown, king of the court, every Monday night.
1: If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and work it up the floor, and make Tommy and proud,
2: because I know he loves that style of play. Careless whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You can't compare that to an NBA rivalry where you're going to hate LeBron James for the next seven years, and you've already hated him for five years. Tune in for the block party with CLNS lock career reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not going to compare him to Ray and don't forget to tune into the Celtics post game show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog and iTunes. It's invaluable. How much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all. There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com Celticsblog.com Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at Celticsblog.com.
3: This is A.B. Bradley of
2: the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to CLNS Radio. What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog. CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube post game show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics Blog's Jimmy Toscano report on The home games in high definition And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube Page you can find raw post game videos From the Celtics locker room Stay up to date with us and text CLNS Fans to 22828 for Free updates from CLNS Radio Don't forget you can call into our Live shows at 347-215-7771 And if you miss the live broadcast You can download us on iTunes we're getting bigger, we're getting better and you can find it all at clnsradio.com. clnsradio.com, the home of internet sports talk radio.
3: Now, welcome to the Celtics
4: And welcome back to the Celtics Beat. My name is Daniel Baker alongside our very own Stats Adam, Mr. Adam Lowenstein. It's always been a pleasure. It's St. Patrick's Day. If you're working off your hangover, thanks for joining and listening. I hope we're not too harsh on the ears. And if you are celebrating, well, I don't know, I hope for some good background music. But right now we're talking some Celtics. And as they get ready to have a pretty big week against the Miami Heat, that's tomorrow. Everyone's talking about that game. We're just awaiting a call from Mr. Bob Lick, a long-time play-by-play for the New Orleans Hornets. And uh, loving to uh, get, get uh, sw- switching gears, looking to the future for the Celtics. And uh, they're going to be without Kevin Garnett. For the time being, as you know, he has got that strained left adductor and most likely won't be out. Adam, you were thinking it's about 75% likely that he won't play tomorrow. And really, even if he can't play, there's really no point in him trying to, uh, to rush things so close to the playoffs. You really want to have your team as healthy as possible heading into the postseason.
1: Doc Rivers has pleaded health is the most important reason why this team will be able to succeed going forward. And I don't think there's anything that you want to do to hinder that progress. The Celtics played pretty well, once again, without Garnett. And they can try to continue to succeed without him in these small instances. These small, you know, one game here, one game there. I know you can't do it for a few games in a row or, you know, a Rondo-type span like they've gone right now, but you got to have him healthy because that is your most important centerpiece to your defense. And that's the reason why the Celtics will have a chance in the playoffs.
4: And that's really been kind of an interesting discussion. Our very own Larry H. Russell recently put out a column basically questioning the value of Rondo and should the Celtics trade him. And, I think that he is the franchise, and it can be a legitimate cornerstone for a team that can win a title, and he's a guy that can really take over a whole, not just a game, but a whole series, and that's really one of the big reasons that I think uh, he's so important to the Celtics team, is that everybody seems to forget especially during this winning streak and this just this good basketball streak that the Celtics have been playing. What he did against Miami last year in Game 2, yeah, it was a losing effort, but when you put up over 40, yeah, 10 assists and 8 rebounds, there aren't many guys in the NBA that can do that in the regular season, let alone a playoff game against the best team in the NBA.
1: He's shown some amazing performances, and he would have given the Celtics that puncher's chance at a finals appearance or a finals victory this year. And I think they were being overrated, or at least they were being high-rated, the Celtics, uh, coming into this season because of Rondo and because of the aging veterans coming behind him. Jeff Green, of course, is the great secondary or tertiary cornerstone in the future to complement Rondo. But no one really can see how the Celtics would be able to get a franchise player in return. That's really the problem. What his value is to the Celtics seems to be more than what his value could could be somewhere else. You know, there's no other way to get, you know, a great point guard like him from some other team. You know, the Jazz are out there. They have the big men that the Celtics could go for. The Lakers had that. Well, I think there was a trade that possibly Pau Gasol could be traded to the Celtics. But there's no point guard out there that the Celtics would be able to get. Chris Paul would not be able to come to the Celtics for Rajon Rondo. And I think that's the reason why he has to be held and kept in Boston, because they have to give him the chance to succeed with a talented roster like he, you know, like they have now.
4: Because the offense really relies so much on him, there aren't really many other uh, point guards that have the ball, or just any players that really have the ball in that th- that much of the time. And so when he goes down and the offense does switch, other players, yeah, they they, they might their, their numbers probably will improve. We've we've seen Jeff Green scoring go up, we've seen Jeff Green's uh, involvement in the offense go up, but that doesn't mean that Rondo's a bad player and it makes them worse. And anyways, with this whole winning ways. Uh, it's really something that maybe it was just going to take this amount of time, even with a healthy Rondo, to, to get to this point. It's definitely possible
1: because that's really – it's it's a tough situation because the Celtics had nine new players coming into this team from the playoff roster in 2012, from Courtney Lee to Jason Terry. There were a lot of other players in this mix that Rondo had to get used to. And – It's tough for him because he's a point guard and has to have a rhythm, just like a quarterback in the NFL, has to have a rhythm with his players. And there's only – he only had a few months before he got injured, and they were playing subpar basketball. They were playing subpar basketball for – I'm impressed by how they've played recently, but you have to give Rondo a better chance because teams like the Heat, you're seeing now – It's been three seasons before, if anything, they're playing at the highest level that they can. Rajon Rondo, with this Celtics team, is going to need time to come together to bring together a group of guys. And the Celtics have to keep a roster. They have to keep a roster to turn over to another year. They can't continue to change and change and change. I understand injury has been part of it. And I understand they've had to keep the centerpiece of Pierce, Garnett, and what, what was Allen, and now is Rondo moving into the big three. You have to keep the roster somewhat the same so then you can put yourself in a position to succeed and allow yourself to do well.
4: And that's really what the Celtics are doing. And Doc Rivers, you got to give him a lot of credit for what he's done with this group, really keeping them in the playoff mix. And not only that, he's improving their playoff seeding. And you're getting just such good performances from, from guys all around. Uh, I mentioned Jeff Green. He's really, really comes come on strong as of late and there's all these people have been saying well i want i want to see more from him i want to see jeff green really really dominate well maybe that's not his thing and doc rivers recently said jeff green wants to be the mcdonald's he wants to be consistently good in everything and that honestly is what you're getting of late he first of all he's coming off the bench but just looking at his last complete month in february here's a guy that averaged 15 nearly 15 and a half points per game just over four rebounds and two assists, almost two blocks a game at 1.7, and he shot over 50% from the field. This is a guy that, yeah, he might not dominate every single game, but you know what? He has the ability to, and just that threat alone puts pressure on the defense.
1: Absolutely. Jeff Green has performed very well. I think I compared him last time on a Celtics beat to you know a man's LeBron, and I think he actually is, and this is impressive that he's performed this well, and we didn't know he was going to be healthy until this time, doctors said, wait until February, then he'll be back and will be able to provide the Celtics with his 100% athletic talent that we've seen in previous years from this guy when he was in Oklahoma City. And he's put up great performances, including, and we're talking about Kevin Garnett not playing tomorrow, and we're talking about Kevin Garnett not playing recently, he's missed two games this season, Kevin Garnett, and the first game that he missed this season against the Phoenix Suns, when the Celtics blew out the Suns out in Phoenix, I think it was their first road win against a... Western Conference team for the Celtics this season. He went off, had his best game as a Celtic, maybe, actually, arguably his best game of his career, because it was his most efficient shooting game, 11 for 14 from the field. He added in the the career-high five blocks, and scored 31 points. It really was an impressed performance by a guy who the Celtics gave a lot of money to, $9 $9 million per year, and he isn't living up to it yet, but has the chance to as a secondary piece to Rondo going forward for this team.
4: And that's something else that I really want to talk about, this whole not living up to it. What is not living up to it? I mean, is he doing things? Is it just because he's not doing things that other players, making as much money as he is, aren't doing? Is, I, is that what it is? Because he still, if he adds what the Celtics want him to in every way, isn't that worth the nine million dollars? It's a team by team basis because it doesn't mean that he's not worth nine million to the Celtics. It may mean he's not worth nine million dollars to maybe the Heat, the Lakers, the even the Bobcats, or, or whoever you throw it there. It just fits where you're supposed to be, and Jeff Green fits what the Celtics are trying to do.
1: He's found. He's definitely found a niche, and you've seen it over the last month, over the last now month and a half. It's impressive that he's done this well in green because if anything we have not seen a stretch this long that jeff has been able to perform and make an impact like he has and as you said with that fantastic record that the celtics have since rondo went down part of it is what i talked about with pierce part of it is a lot of what jeff green has
4: done and another guy that's really been huge for the celtics of late is jason terry and that was one of the big things um Big performers uh, in the off season. I mean, he's a guy who can be a six man of the year. They both have six man of the year potential and talent. I mean, Jason Terry is fresh off his award, a uh, relatively fresh a couple of years ago when he helped Dallas lead Dallas to a title. And Jason Terry has really, really been good. Um, he's he, he's shooting a lot better from three point range overall on the season, still at thirty eight percent. But he's a guy that can fill it up with the best of them. And over his last, his last few games, um, I, I have
1: him as fifty percent in this month. Yeah, that, I think that's pretty impressive, especially since his three point percentage
4: hasn't been that high in any month this season. And he's scoring now. I mean, the, the numbers necessarily uh, aren't necessarily always there, but uh, when you look at his career, it's almost sixteen points a game in this season, scoring ten points a game. But he had his. Best month of the season through the month of February, scoring almost 12 points a game for the Celtics, hitting 48% from the field and shooting 40% from three. So it's getting better, and as you said, this uh, this month of March, he's just really been on fire. And last game against the Bobcats, he led the team with 15 points. Uh, it's something he has the capability of doing, and that's just another weapon in the arsenal for the Celtics.
1: And you know, I've I touched on a little bit earlier. His assists have really helped. He's been able to dish off the ball as a secondary guard or even as you know a point guard in the mix of that, you know, we can call it point guard by committee uh for the Celtics now because he's going to have to add in some point guard duties throughout the rest of the season as the Celtics still continue to find their way as a guard a guard heavy team in some ways because of what they started this season with Rajan Rondo, but now what they're having to do is switch that. And I think Jason Terry has filled into that mold sooner rather than later, which is really helping them out.
4: The Celtics are right now the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs, sitting at thirty-six and twenty-nine just two games back from four seed, and which would mean home court advantage in the playoffs for at least one series. They're just a couple games behind Brooklyn. And behind the Knicks, who lead the Atlantic Division, they're just three games back. That's possible. That should be on their radar. And that would be even bigger, getting up to that three seed for winning your division.
1: And with... Lost today, the Knicks moved to 30, 38 and 26 on the season. That moves the Celtics to two and a half back of the New York Knicks, and it's amazing how, how hard this team has fallen. They are 20 and 21 in their last 40 games after starting the season 18 and five. And I think this Knicks team needs to really figure something out because with all the injuries that, that, that they have encountered, and there was no Chandler today in, at Staples Center, there was no Melo today, and there was no Amari today. So I understand that they're having to you know, worry about these injuries and having to play without them, and J.R. Smith has had to take on a huge scoring load. But they have played terribly even with them. And I understand there's, there, there, it's been a small sample size, you can say it is, But this season has been such a rocky, uh, rocky, uh, rocky in between here as far as you know their good start. But they've done terribly since, and I think that that's going to be tough for them. So don't worry. One of the
4: biggest things with with the Knicks and and their recent struggles is just the ability, or should we say, inability, to have Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire on the court at the same time. We're going to get into a whole lot more of that with. Former columnist of the New York Post, a great NBA basketball mind, and Peter Vesey, who's an NBA insider on NBC when they carry the NBA. We're going to talk all things NBA with him. Uh, apologies to anyone trying to tune in for Mr. Bob Lick of the New Orleans Hornets, a play-by-play voice. We are having a little bit of technical difficulties, but we will try to get with him during the break and see what we can do about having him on a little bit later in the show. So apologies to Mr. Lick and anyone, any Hornets fans. Uh hopefully we can get him on later and talk some uh, some Eric Gordon, some baskets and rivers and everything that's going down in the New Orleans assumed to be New Orleans Pelicans. Uh which might be the worst sports nickname of all time, not, not really sure. Um but we will we will see uh if we can get him on later. But if not Stay tuned because coming up next on the Celtics beat with myself, Daniel Baker, and Adam Lowenstein, we will have Mr. Peter Bessey, longtime comments for the New York Post. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Stay
5: tuned for more of the Celtics beat.
2: Hey, Mike Fay from Mike T here, just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of Celticstown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celticstown, king of the court, every Monday night.
1: If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it. Just the ball and work it up the floor and make tommy and proud because i know he loves that style of play
2: careless whispers with matt rury and calvin chamberlain hits the airwaves tuesday night you can't compare that to an npa rivalry where you're gonna hate lebron james for the next seven years and you've already hated him for five years tune in for the block party with clns locker room reporter jared wise and nhl content manager lee herman on thursday nights i actually really have high hopes For Chris Bork, I'm not going to compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable how much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all. There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Celticsblog.com Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you The Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at Celticsblog.com.
3: This is Agri Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to CLNS Radio.
2: What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog. CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics Blog's Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw post-game videos from the Celtics locker room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to 22828 for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771 and if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com. clnsradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. It's is
5: Celtics Beat with Daniel Baker.
4: Coming back in on the St. Patrick's Day afternoon, my name is Daniel Baker, alongside Adam Lowenstein, you're listening to the Celtics Beat, that's some Atlas Genius, a fantastic new band, if you don't know them, get to know them, that's their song, If so, really gets it going, I don't know about you, but gets me jazz. Oh,
1: absolutely, definitely got me going, I'm excited now, very excited uh, for the Celtics Heat
4: tomorrow night. And hopefully we will be getting a call from Peter Vesey very, very shortly to join us on the Celtics Beat, talk all things NBA, and also all things looking forward to the next game against the Miami Heat, which is just a huge game. It's on everyone's radar. The Celtics and the Heat have really turned into one of the NBA's best rivalries and something that's just always fun to watch and really excited for tomorrow night you have the Heat, who won today a huge, huge victory today over the Toronto Raptors, one hundred eight to ninety-one, and no surprise that they had beaten the Raptors. It's a team that the Celtics just recently downed, but it was a game that he easily could have overlooked a little bit, but they haven't really looked over many twenty-two wins in a row tied for the second-longest winning streak in NBA history. It's
1: amazing that they've been able to do this. I was uh, checking out ESPN stats and info earlier today, and I saw an ESPN graphic about how the Miami Heat have now scored teams during this streak by 105 points combined in the fourth quarter. They're also a plus 15 in the third quarter, plus 43 in the second quarter, also getting off to a good start, plus 82 in the first quarter. But plus 105 over this 22-game winning streak, is amazing. And going into tomorrow, March 18th, 2013, just five years ago, to the day, March 18th, 2008, the Boston Celtics broke the Rockets' 22-game winning streak. That is the second, also, the second longest winning streak in NBA history. Is that a little
4: bit of foreshadowing, I hear?
1: Just a little. And I think uh, Larry uh, Larry Russell actually added and told us that the preliminary line also four and a half for that game back five years ago, and four and a half for tomorrow in favor of
4: the of the rockets then and the heat now <laughs> amazing it's pretty amazing. I mean LeBron James might have had the best month of basketball in February. he just tore it up, and Dwayne Wade is also um playing some of the best basketball uh of maybe of his tenure uh, uh in the past couple of years i mean he's been banged up quite a long time but now he seems to be healthy and that's really the best high flying duo it, it, i i think it's the best 1 2 combo in the fast break that we've ever seen in the nba that i it would be amazing uh, to see
1: them continue to do this because they are, and I would have to agree with that Dwayne Wade has now scored at least twenty points in each of his last thirteen games, including today, and that is his longest streak since LeBron came to town so it 's fantastic that he is playing so well for the uh, you know for the heat because that is a really big thing because when it comes down to the heat they 're going to need health from their three guys in order to succeed. If they lose, especially LeBron, if they lose one of the three, then you can really significantly downplay their finals chances, their championship chances. So when it comes down to it, this Miami Heat team is depending on these three guys, especially you know, in addition to Ray Allen and, and the, the others, as Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal like to say. But when it comes down to it, this Celtics team will need to get a little lucky because Dwayne Wade is playing so well. They're going to have to be able to guard both Wade and LeBron. That's tough because Jeff Green and Avery Bradley aren't going to be able to do it by themselves. Paul Pierce, you know, they're not going to be able to do it by themselves. They're going to have to really be able to play off of the others and allow them. They're going to have to give up open shots,
4: which they have, but they're going to have to get lucky against the Heat. And the Heat, everyone knows how much they can score, and that's usually the focal point of this team, but... You might be surprised to hear that second in the NBA in terms of defensive efficiency are the Heat right behind the Pacers. They've been doing it on both ends of the floor. And, it, again, offense, obviously it's sexy, it's flashy, it just gets overshadowed. But the Heat are really doing it on both sides of the court.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing that the Heat have been able to do this this season. I they, You know, they're playing so well and – you know, they, what, what, you know, look at their offensive efficiency; it's right behind the Oklahoma City Thunder for best. You know, they're in the top ten in defensive efficiency. It's nice to see that this Heat team is being able to play up to their standards. And you know, most people thought when these guys were coming together that they were, you know, going to win many championships. And LeBron said it himself. And which has been kind of mocked recently, or at least before he won his first championship. But they're playing; they did not have a championship hangover. They're playing very well, and at the highest rate that they've played as a big three.
4: And it's really interesting because that—I mean—that that playoff run by LeBron James was just incredible. And if you're a Celtics fan, obviously you, you saw firsthand the potential of James in that Game Six. And that's probably not even the ceiling, which is really the scary thing. And that's what everyone was saying: was wow. Maybe James hasn't even hit where he could possibly be one day. And what what could we see? And we saw in the regular season, they, they started off well, not exceptionally well. But man, if there was any doubt who should be the favorites heading into the playoffs, it's the reigning champs, and rightfully so.
1: It's easily them, and they've done so well. And I think, you know, this is very interesting that they've done, they've gone ten and one this season on the second day of back to backs, and they're heading to, to Boston tomorrow to face the Celtics on a back to back. And that is the third best winning percentage in NBA history on the second day of back to backs. There aren't any back to backs in the in the playoffs, but still being able to play on very little rest. Being able to do that is very impressive. Along with being able to continue this streak, and, you know, in a year that the the Miami Heat were able to take the lockout-shortened year, win the championship last year, they were able to make it to the finals the year before when they started off the season terribly and way under expectations, and then make it to the finals and you know then losing to Dallas. But being able to make it to the finals these first two years in pretty much growing years, quote unquote, you know, we're talking about how Rondo's having to be able to grow with the Celtics, and that's still has to be done. But you're looking at this Heat team and it's very impressive.
4: And it's really also just a, a testament to the front office and Pat Riley and what they've been able to put together down in Miami for for the fact that it's not just the big three. And I mean this bench which was definitely a weakness last year I mean it's hard to argue that it wasn't is, is even better this year. When you have guys like Richard Lewis coming off the bench you have just Shane Battier, I mean, Norris Cole backing up Chalmers. You have bringing guys like Ray Allen. It's really a big difference. Oh, definitely. And they have
1: been able to do well when one of the big three is not played. You know, we've seen over the years LeBron has been able to step up when Wade has not played. But I'm not sure if they'd be able to do that. This year, this team collectively has played very well together.
4: The Celtics right now looking to improve to 37-29 and and really just keep climbing those playoff rankings. Um, And another team that is always on the Celtics' mind, at least to a certain extent, the Los Angeles Lakers, a couple weeks ago Kobe Bryant came out and said, you know what, we're going to make the playoffs. It's not a matter of if we do, it's kind of like when they do. And when he first said it, I said, wow, wow. Kinda, I wasn't sure what to make of it. They really looked—they're like completely lost. I mean, there's there's almost too much talent to doubt them, but they were also playing probably as poorly as they could. And right now, they have made it into that 8th seed, and looks like they they could probably move up as high as six in that conference. There's no way they're gonna catch up to Denver and any of those top teams. Um in the Western Conference, but that might be, if if they enter the playoffs an 8th seed, could be the most dangerous 8th seed in the history of the NBA.
1: That's absolutely right. We remember the lockout-shortened year in 1999 when the Knicks made it to the finals as an 8th seed. That might be the only other team that comes to mind, and this isn't even a lockout-shortened season. This is more of, for the Lakers, an injury-riddled season for an aging veteran group. And I thought they were going to be the Western Conference representative for the finals coming into this season because of who they had. But when it comes to a team that's just piece together they need time and then when you have guys falling like uh, you know sacks of potatoes out there just you know not Nash not being able to play for what the first twenty games or so and then you see Kobe recently having the injury and then Dwight having to battle through the back problems throughout the entire season. We're seeing him at his healthiest this season. These I, I really thought that it would have been nice if he would have taken off weeks on end, but we don't even know if the Lakers would have had thirty five wins if he had to take off that much time. <laughs> I but mean Kobe me crazy
4: I, I agree with you. I thought they were going to be one of the best teams in the NBA at the start of the season. I thought they could, ch- could have challenged a Bulls 72 win games. Just on paper, they look like that could have been, even with our test, maybe the best starting five of all time. I, I really think, I really thought that the pieces would have fit. When you have maybe the best offensive force in the game in terms of the low post and Pal Gasol, you have Dwight Howard, who, when healthy, is easily the best big man. Uh, Defender in the NBA and best big man Overall and you had Kobe And Steve Nash who I thought was really going to be The conductor of of a very smooth And great orchestra So to speak I thought that it was I thought the potential was there and When Pal Gasol gets back and healthy Wow that could it, It could be very interesting in the playoffs I mean I still think Oklahoma City and San Antonio could handle them in a seven-game series, but it would make it very, very interesting.
1: And then when you throw the Clippers in there, if this, the Lakers are able to move past Houston and Golden State, which is entirely possible, as you mentioned before, Golden State is dropping terribly. You, know, you know, they're playing terribly recently. And Houston, you know, they're solid, but. Really, who knows if they're going to be able to win as many games as the Lakers do going forward. If Kobe stays healthy, and we don't really know how this you know, injury is going to take him because he's still a game-time decision even for tonight's game after only playing the first quarter against Indiana on Friday, his teammates really picked him up on Friday. But if they can move up, that Clippers-Lakers series would be a fantastic spectacle. With seven, I would think seven games would end up being played at Staples Center, and I think it's a coin flip because if this Lakers team is playing at that high of a rate and and Gasol is at least 70 to 80% out
4: there, then they have a shot. I mean, you have to think that David Stern and the NBA front offense is just dreaming of a, uh, of a Clippers-Lakers matchup, regardless of when it happens. I mean, first round, maybe you say it's, it's a little too uh, early for that kind of thing, but that would be quite the spectacle uh, for sure. Yeah, and Golden State, are the only team in the Western Conference playoffs right now that is getting outscored on the season. By a .4 points a game, that's a point differential, but it's negative. And everyone else in the Western Conference has at least a 1.3 point differential, and that's the Lakers. That's the lowest number. When you look at the Eastern Conference, it's a lot smaller. They're really only one dominant team in Miami, and Indiana's also outscoring teams by about 4, 4.2 points a game, so there's dominant teams there. But, yeah, that Western Conference is stacked, absolutely stacked. I'm so excited for the playoffs. When you have San Antonio, Oklahoma City, obviously the two front runners, but in my mind, I think the Clippers, Grizzlies, and Nuggets are all legitimate threats, all legitimate threats to, to make the Western Conference Finals, if not represent the West. And it's, in my mind, it's the heat above everyone else, then those five teams, and then it's just a, a fairly decent sized drop off after that. Um, I mean, Denver right now is the second highest team in the NBA, 11 straight. And when you touched
1: on the Golden State Warriors, I just want to add one thing about them. They're terrible against the Western Conference, and this has been throughout the entire season. Not just, you know, the Lakers have played 18 and 21 ball against the Western Conference. 18 wins, 21 losses against the West, and that's, you know, subpar, and that's not very good, but that's the reason why they have a terrible record. Golden State has been horrible against the West this season, and that's comparably against, you know, the rest of the West. They're 19 and 19 against their own conference, and that is horrible. And that's the reason why they're a first round exit, no matter where they finish. And they might not even finish in the playoff race because this team isn't that good. And then when the Lakers come in, you know, it's definitely, I like the way that you, you know, you uh, sectioned off the tiers for this West because obviously you have a lot of teams, but there's only one team that's going to come out of this West, and it's going to be really interesting to see who it is, whether it be San Antonio or Oklahoma City being those favorites most likely you're going to have a heat versus one of those in the finals you know but an injury here or something there to a san antonio team that's very you know it's kind of you know an aged core around them and then you have miami with that big 3 one of those goes down i don't know if they can be able to make it to the finals without
4: one of those guys it it will be interesting i mean they they just beat oklahoma city this past week Without Tony Parker, Parker's going to be out for about another three weeks or so and still keep on winning. What else do they do? You know when you're heading into an NBA regular season, there's a couple things you know. You know that Greg Popovich and the Spurs are going to win 50 games. And that is just one of the truisms of the NBA of the past decade more than a decade you just know they're just a great regular season team and maybe they got a little bit unlucky these past few years last season remember they won the first two games in the western conference finals against oklahoma city before dropping last four and when they won those first two that was their 19th and 20th wins in a row heading into that game they were the hottest team in the nba by far last season and i'm pretty sure that they had won 20 games heading into that you know
1: four game sweep by the thunder you know they had won those first two games and then the four games in a row by the Thunder. the 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 Spurs were on a 20-game winning streak heading into that mm-hmm. series, and it really comes down to matchups for that Spurs team. Popovich is arguably the, one of the best coaches in NBA history for how he has handled this team and how he's able to add players. And R.C. Buford being able to draft arguably has one of the best GMs in the league because of how they've been able to continue to bolster and add to this roster like no other team because of how they've done. And then you know, on top of that, look at their road record this season, 20 three and 12 that's just amazing at what they can do on the road away from home you know that's where you think this year should be the year that this team steps up because Oklahoma City losing Harden we're not sure if they're going to be able to take that next step you know or or actually you know return to the finals like they did last year it might be the Spurs year
4: and you did mention Greg Popovich and how great of a coach he is I mean it's hard, hard to argue that he's not one of the top three coaches in the NBA pretty much <laughs> Every single year, it's not like it gets any worse, and the the results are there. But there's another guy in the Western Conference that I think should be getting some love for this Coach of the Year. In my mind right now at the moment, and even still, I might still go with Frank Vogel. It depends how far the Pacers fall, but if they can be that two seed, I think he'd give it to him because he's done this all without Danny Granger and... It, that's been pretty impressive with how good the team has been defensively and just that's something you get night in, night out, you can count on with the Pacers and a lot of the ability and intensity on defense, that comes from the sidelines a lot of times. When you have teams like the Celtics who are always that, that kind of team and their old assistant now, head coach with the Bulls and Tom Thibodeau, he, you can see his energy. But there's another team who midway through the season traded their best scorer and have still, right now, they're the four seed in the Western Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies and Lionel Hollins. I think that he should be getting some votes and some love for this coach of the year. I think he's done a tremendous job really switching the team halfway through the season, integrating uh, Tayshaun Prince with a great front court in Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol, but really that is a team that I don't think anyone wants to play in the playoffs. They're so big, so physical, they really slow it down. That is a playoff team.
1: And John Hollinger as management group, I completely agree with their decision to get rid of Rudy Gay. A low efficiency, high usage player is not one that you want to stay on a team like Memphis when you have two interior scorers like Marcus Shaw and Zach Randolph that can dominate the ball and give you 40 points combined a night. You know, if they really want to, you know, they can pound it in there a lot. And then you also have Conley, who's one of the best point guards out there, and one of the ones that's getting the least love in the league. If you want to keep, you know, dishing out the love there, you know this. Memphis Grizzlies team is strong and can make an impact it's just that I think I was listening to uh, David Locke of um, you know the Utah Jazz and they actually I think they beat the Memphis Grizzlies last night in Utah but Locke was talking about how this Rudy Gay trade has actually increased the Memphis Grizzlies chances at winning ball games. I think by 10 games a season, or at least five wins a season. Um, it's an impressive change. Obviously, I think it's Hollinger's number saying this, because Hollinger isn't on the staff now in Memphis, but it's a huge difference getting rid of the high-usage, low-efficiency player.
4: It's really incredible, and you mentioned again Mike Conley, who is another very underrated player. Uh, point guard that really doesn't necessarily get enough credit, and a lot of the times that happens when the points aren't there. And a guy in his own conference kind of went through that with Antonio Parker, and now that he really has the reins of the offense and really is uh, is in control, and he's the guy for San Antonio, though you can never count it, Tim Duncan, who's had a couple monster games, a 30-15 and a 5-game uh, just recently, but until the Spurs picked up the tempo and scored more points, Tony Parker n- never really got the kind of recognition that maybe he deserves. And then there's another point guard in the Western Conference. Seriously, the West, w- w- with all due respect to a- any team in the Eastern Conference, aside from Miami, I'm not sure many teams in the Eastern Conference can make the playoffs in the West. It's just so unfair. And, and right now, Utah's this team that's sitting out. Looking in, I just feel bad. There's always at least one team, sometimes two teams, that, one, have better records than any team in the Eastern Conference that are in the playoffs, and two are just flat out better. It's just not fair. We need to make the playoffs so the top 16 teams are in, regardless of what conference you're in. I would like that. I think that would be really fun. But the guy I'm talking about in a point guard who, just like Parker, gets some MVP love, why not Ty Lawson in Denver? Why not? He's leading the Nuggets in scoring. He's leading a team that, tied with Miami, has the best home record at 30-3 in the NBA. They're right now the fifth seed. They're one game behind the Clippers for the third. That is a team that no one wants to play. I don't think many teams want to play. There's really no team in the West that you want to play. This is also dangerous. But Ty Lawson leading the team in points, 16.8 points a game, leading the Nuggets in assists at seven assists a game. He's really the motor for that engine, and that is one heck of a nice car. And back when the Celtics hosted the
1: Denver Nuggets at TD Garden about a month ago or so, they Ty Lawson had a very impressive game. He had 29.6 rebounds and nine assists. The only players to do that against the Celtics recently, we have Carmel Anthony, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Kevin Garnett. Those are the only players to do it in recent memory against the Celtics. So that's impressive that
4: he was able to join that list. And we will just take a little bit of a break, one more break on the Celtics beat. Thank you so much for tuning in this time Uh, Hoping to get Bob Lick coming up on the Celtics Beat. When we come back, talk a little bit of Hornets, talk a little bit of Celtics, talk a little bit of Terps, and don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on CLNS Radio.
2: Hey, Mike Faye from Mike T here, just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of Celticstown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celticstown, king of the court, every Monday night.
1: If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and work it up the floor and make Tommy and proud because I know he loves that style of play.
2: Careless whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You can't compare that to an NBA rivalry where you're going to Hate LeBron James for the next seven years, and you've already hated him for five years. Tune in for the block party with CLNS locker room reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not gonna yeah. compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics post game show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable. How much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way that's not all there are even more awesome podcasts available check them all out on clnsradio.com Celticsblog.com blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD post-game show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at Celticsblog.com.
3: This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to CLNS Radio.
2: What's new at clnsradio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics post-game show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online post-game broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog, CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube post-game show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics Blog's Jimmy Toscano report on The home games in high definition And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube Page you can find raw post game videos From the Celtics locker room Stay up to date with us and text CLNS Fans to 22828 for Free updates from CLNS Radio Don't forget you can call in our Live shows at 347-215-7771 And if you miss the live broadcast You can download us on iTunes We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com. clnsradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
5: And now, welcome to the Soul 16 with Daniel Baker.
4: Ah, just nothing like... Stones on a beautiful, well, it's kind of cloudy here, but it's a St. Patrick's Day afternoon. Always good to be on the air on CLNS Radio. My name is Daniel Baker alongside Adam Lowenstein. And right now, a very, very special guest, longtime voice of the New Orleans Hornets. And right now, doing a Big 12 work with Fox Sports. We welcome into the show Bob Lick. Bob, thank you so much for your time. How are things with you today?
5: Uh, they're going well. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
4: All right. And uh, right off the bat, want to talk a little bit of Hornets. The Hornets are playing the Celtics on the 20th of March, just a couple days from now. And for the Hornets, uh, h- how would you rate this season so far? Would you say that it's been better, worse, as expected coming into the season? I mean, we knew Eric Gordon wasn't going to be healthy the whole time, but is this above or below expectations?
5: Uh, personally, yeah, I think they're about where they should be. They don't have a lot of experience. One of the younger teams in the league, uh, despite getting the number one overall pick and, and Anthony Davis having a spectacular talent like Davis. He's, you know, he was a teenager for most of the year and learning his way through the league for the very first time. And, and he just, they just don't have much experience. And in the NBA, I don't care how much talent you have. If you don't have experience, uh, you're not going to translate a seven-month season into a lot of wins. Um, and to me, the the, the whole statement of the season for them, I think, can be wrapped up in what happened this weekend with Miami winning its 22nd game in a row Uh, The Heat have a 22-game winning streak, and the Hornets have won 22 games. And some of the folks around here are claiming that this is a successful season because they've exceeded last year's win total, and that's crap. (laughs) It it is. It is. You you don't, you know, you're you're rebuilding. So you don't base this year on, on how many more wins you had than last season. What you should base this year on, if you're a Hornets fan, is how much better has this team become versus last year not how many more wins it's not necessarily based on on wins in terms of your improvement how how much better is the team and to me the team is not that much better there there are some areas uh, of improvement but to me they're they're a long long way away when you rebuild the nba to me it is a three to five year program and to make it even harder they're in the west if they were in the east you might be able to get by by saying, you know, 2 to 3 years, you could possibly compete for a playoff spot, but not in the west.
1: And Bob, this is Adam here. Um as far as, you know, the centerpiece of the Hornets goes, Eric Gordon. And you know, there's been frustration around, I think around New Orleans about him because of his injury troubles and how, you know, he wants a big contract and how it's a, you know, a tough situation out there. What would you say is the best way to to you know, handle this Eric Gordon situation.
5: Well, he is not the centerpiece of the Hornets uh, team. Uh, Eric Gordon was a restricted free agent. They matched his uh, offer uh, that he had gotten from Phoenix during the offseason, and there was some politics involved with that. Um, uh, Eric Gordon publicly stated that he did not want to come back to New Orleans. That he wanted, uh, he did not want the Hornets to match and so the fans didn't like that too much. But the Hornets had to match because he's a, he's a young scorer and he was the primary player involved in the Chris Paul trade. And if you let him walk and get nothing for him, um, you know, it takes you years to recover from that, not not just on the floor, but in terms of your credibility with the fans. So the Hornets kind of had their hands tied. They have to match. But he's not the centerpiece of the team. Even though he's the best veteran player on the team at 24, 25 years old, he is not the centerpiece of that team. Anthony Davis is the centerpiece of the rebuilding program. Eric Gordon Gordon is not even a co-captain on the Hornets team. That tells you everything that you need to know about this year's team. And so, you know, he's probably, I mean, logic tells you that he's probably going to be dangled for trade, and whether he's, he can be traded or not and, and you can get equal value for him, you know, that's yet to be determined. Uh, but in my opinion, Anthony Davis is the centerpiece of this team. They hope that uh, Austin Rivers develops into that uh, uh, quality guard, whether he's a hybrid guard or a pure point or a two guard. We don't know yet. He's, he's too young in his uh, development. But, but it's not Eric Gordon.
4: And one guy who I would like to talk about, if he's in, in the future plans, and you just mentioned if Rivers is going to be the combo guard, uh, if he can be, he can take the point. But the guy playing point right now, who's third in the NBA in the mind you, Mr. Graves Vasquez, a former Terp like myself, what's, how great of a re- revelation has he been? Because in my mind, I knew he was never gonna win. He's not gonna win a shuttle. He's not gonna win a, a jumping contest, a race, or whatever, what, what have you. He's always been a gamer in my mind. One of those guys that you put him on a court, put nine other guys there with him, and I want him on my team.
5: Well, Gravis is—he's—he's he's a true great guy to have on your team. He's tremendous in the locker room. He has—he uh, has off the charts leadership qualities. Um, He has tremendous credibility not just with his teammates but around the league and around the world. He is a national hero in Venezuela. When he goes back home, he actually needs to have security with him. That's how big he is. He has hundreds of thousands of followers in Venezuela. You know, in Venezuela, you're if you're Miguel Cabrera, you're a superstar baseball player from Venezuela, you're one of many superstar baseball players from Venezuela. When you are in the NBA and you are the only star from Venezuela, you are an international star in and of your own right. And I I think the interesting thing is when he played for his national team, he played two guard during the off season. I think they got to the uh I think they got to the semifinal. I don't think they got to the championship. They did not win the championship, but he played two-guard. And I talked to him earlier this year about, you know, how that experience might have helped him grow as a player in the NBA, and he said it it allowed him to understand how to play off the ball a little bit better. But in terms of becoming a better point guard, you can give a lot of credit to uh, Fred Vinson, who is uh, one of the Hornets' assistant coaches who just goes over – tape on a daily basis with him and look at Chris Paul tape. Uh, they, they, they look at all the great point guards, Steve Nash, and try to pick out the best attributes from the star of future Hall of Fame point guards in the league. And he obviously is a uh, very uh, good learner. He's a studious NBA uh, player. He He has made just a tremendous amount of progress from a year ago. It is one of the Hornets' best trades. It is a true steal of a couple of seasons ago when they traded Quincy Pondexter to Memphis for Gravis. Uh, because to me, if Gravis were to go back in the draft today, he, he'd certainly be a lottery pick. He'd, you know, he'd be, he barely made the first round uh, in, the, in the draft that he was involved in. His twenty-eighth pick overall but he's leading the league in assists he's third in assists per game but he has more total assists than anybody else he has more double doubles than any guard in the league so yes he has made that quantum leap um in my opinion he's the most improved player in the nba
4: wow some very high praise praise and i do like it so i I take it from that answer that if you're the hornets right now you're the front office you're looking to the future anthony davis obviously cornerstone of the franchise but gravis Long term plans? Is he in them?
5: That's a great question. And it's hard it's a hard one to answer because uh to me you judge each team differently. And when you're in a rebuilding program, to me there are very few untouchables. To me, the only untouchable on the Hornets is Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis could become one of the great players at his position in the history of the league if he stays healthy. He is that good. He's, he just turned 20, okay? He just turned 20 a week ago. So, you know, you're talking about a guy, he has skills that you can't teach. Um, he's the only really untouchable. And that's not to denigrate any part of Gravis Vasquez's ability or a game. Um, but, you know, Gravis is not your prototypical point guard. He's tall and lanky. He he's uh, I think he's uh, he understands how to utilize his skills, his 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 uh, physical attributes probably as well as a point guard playing uh, in the league. But if you, were, if you were to ask me does that mean he's untouchable, he's not untouchable? Does that mean that you couldn't trade him to get other assets? Then, no, it doesn't mean that. Um, he's Instead of saying he's the point guard of the future, just call him the point guard of the present. And Bob, you had said before that
1: Gravis Vasquez was learning from Chris Paul tape. Chris Paul, right in front of you, was you know, demanding to get out of New Orleans just a few years ago. And then David Stern blocked the trade to the Lakers, and then um, the trade ended up going to the Clippers. Do you think that this had a crazy large impact on the future of the landscape of the NBA? Uh,
5: Not necessarily. You know, um, Chris was certainly not as vocal as a lot of uh, players have been in their desire to leave their Their current cities. I think Chris Paul would have been perfectly fine playing his entire career in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I I don't think that his expectations are are, were any different than many of the superstars of his uh, of his era. In that he just wanted a winning team, and he wanted a chance to win a championship. And he wanted a commitment from ownership to not just be a playoff team, but to, you know, possibly, you know, be one of the elite two or three or four teams
4: in the league. And
5: if you look back two years and say to yourself, okay, what was the core and realize that Chris Paul and David West and Tyson Chandler were the core, you had a chance. Had you kept that core together, you had a chance to maybe be one of those elite teams. So, um, you know, to me it it was not a – it was a dramatic – it was a dramatic Piece of the history of the Hornets, in that you kind of have to trade them because you were you were going to turn the corner, you were going to start rebuilding. But I mean, that's been happening forever. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, a guy named Lou Alcindor said, "I want to go back to LA, where I went to college," and demanded a trade from the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, you know him now as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Of course, um, but that was. That was back in the 70s, okay? So it's been going on forever. And to me, I would never deny a tremendous player's uh, ability to, uh, to, to go from point A to point B. And back then, you didn't have free agency. So the only way you could get to, you know, another destination, a winning franchise or a hometown, whatever it might be, the only way you could do it is to demand a trade. Or to hold out, you know. Now it's a lot easier because you have more leverage with free agency.
4: And we're speaking to Bob Lee, former voice of the New Orleans Hornets for for many years, and you can follow him on Twitter at Horton Homers, and a good follow. There he's doing some Big Twelve basketball work or b- basketball work at the moment. And uh, before we get to uh, right now, I mean, Selection Sunday is going on, Bob. And uh, uh, as a former Orange, I'm sure you are a avid fan of, of the college basketball game. And in probably the most wide-open year of all time for this college basketball tournament, right now, even without looking at where the seeds are, can you give me the team you think will be the last one standing playing one shining moment in April.
5: Well, uh to me one of the teams that really stood out uh in the last month month and a half was Miami. Um I think uh, Barry Larkin's kid is is going to be a star at at the next level. Um he kind of reminds me of Dennis Johnson a little bit. He's he's just, he's got all these intangibles and he's physically gifted and he's a gamer and he's a leader. So you know to me he he's the kind of guy that can that can shift from third to fifth in the tournament and lead his team to the final four. I think Miami's going to the final four um, I kind of like Louisville, even though um I wanted to throw my shoe through the television last night. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not real sure. How Syracuse could look like one of the top ten teams in the country in the first half, and then look like a team that maybe should be playing in the NIT in the second half. So, uh, Louisville's got to be on that list as well.
4: Uh, that, that game, that defense, that has to be up there with best defense in the country, if not the best defense. I thought. I mean, we, when you have Payton Silva, Russ Smith, and just that pressure, there really aren't many guards in college who can handle that right now.
5: Yeah, you know, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a Rick Patino philosophy. It didn't necessarily translate to the NBA game, but.
4: As we know, uh, there as Pittsburgh fans. <laughs> but, yes,
5: you know that very well. But 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 to me, there are so few players at the college level who can handle the ball proficiently, and Patino knows this. So, you know, the more pressure you put on the ball, you've increased your odds of turning it over. So I'd say Miami and Louisville, to me, are two, they're. they're I'm not going to say certainties, but I would be pretty surprised if they didn't at least make the Final Four. Um, I'm also – I'm originally from Detroit. I'm a big Michigan fan, and I've always had this philosophy come the big dance that uh, the teams with the best talent are either going to lose in the first round, their opening game, or they're going to go very deep. So I'm going to pick Michigan to be one of the Final Four teams because I'm a huge – I'm a huge Trey Burke fan. I think Burke is going to be the best point guard in uh, in this draft class. I, I see a lot of Chris Paul in him. Maybe not quite the speed of Chris Paul, but he's there. He's, he's To me, he's in that category. I think he might actually be better as a sophomore in college than, than Chris was at Wake Forest. That doesn't mean he's going to be a better NBA player than Paul. <laughs> but uh, but I'm a big fan. They also have Hardaway, and they also have uh, uh, G-Rob three, And, you know, to me, those three guys. Any one of them can take over a game. So I've got Michigan there, and uh, I'm, I'm probably I'm probably going against all these so-called experts who thought that the Big Ten was overrated. I think that's a bunch of crap. I'm going to have Michigan State as my other. As my I final.
4: don't see any problem with that. Betting against Tom Nizzo, you will lose a lot of money in <laughs> the NCAA tournament. Heart- heartbreaking game against the Spartans for great. It's his last college game. I thought that was his season to go to the Final Four. Great talking to you, Bob. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your insight. Love love the ACC love uh, with Miami there, and uh, a little Larkin leading the way. Uh, always a pleasure. Again, you can follow him at Horton Homers, H-O-R-T-O-N-H-O-M-E-R-S, the former voice of the New Orleans Hornets, right now doing work with Fox Sports and the Big 12. No Big 12's in his final four, but that's Okay. You know he's not biased when he's picking those teams. So thank you so much for your time, Bob. We always appreciate it. And uh, you're welcome anytime on the Celtics beat. My pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, take care. Thank you, Bob. That was Bob Licht. And right now, switching gears, just talking a little bit of NCAA basketball. Now we're switching back to the NBA with a longtime columnist from the New York Post, a a, a great basketball mind, and someone that's an absolute must-follow on Twitter as well. I'll get that handled to you in just a moment. We have Peter Vesey joining us all the way from Manhattan. Thank you so much for your time today, Mr. Vesey. How are you doing on St. Patrick's
3: Day? I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
4: Uh, Not too bad. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Peter Vesey one that's at P-E-T-E-R, V-E-C-S-E-Y-1. Peter Vesey, if you don't know him and you're a basketball fan, look it up because he's someone you should know. Uh, We were just talking a little bit of NCAA hoops with with Mr. Bob Lick, but we'll switch gears back to the NBA. And on CLNS Radio, we like to focus on the Celtics, so we'll start with some Celtics talk right now. Uh, One of the biggest storylines for the Celtics right now is how they've been playing without Rajon Rondo. Are you surprised with how well they've done? They're 16 and six since he went down with that ACL injury.
3: Well, before I answer you, I got to correct Bob. Okay. Okay. Um, Lou Alcindor did not demand to be traded to LA. He he demanded to be traded to either the Lakers or the Knicks, and he allowed he allowed. no, uh, oh, he didn't allow the. Uh, the bucks, the bucks went out and took bids from the Knicks, and that's really where he wanted to go. He wanted to go home, and they were offering an old Willis Reed, an old Frazier, you know, stuff like that. And they said uh, no, and that's why they decided to take the Lakers' bid because they were they were uh, offering four young guys and Elmore Smith, and uh, and that's why that deal went down. And and just to tie up your uh, your Miami stuff with uh, Larinaga. Larinaga played at Archbishop Malloy, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the guys in the uh, Alcindor trade was Brian Winters, who followed Larinaga at Malloy. So there you go.
4: All right, very good. And so, so getting to into uh, with the Celtics. Um, yeah, I mean, were, look, you, were you shocked with how well they play without Rondo?
3: I mean, I think everybody has to be shocked. Except that uh, you know they do have a few few good ball players left on that team. I mean, you're talking about guys that uh, you know have some uh, some huge professionalism in Garnett and Pierce and some uh, some pride. That old Celtic pride taken over. Um, they're not going to you know let one guy go down and then Sullinger went down also. But uh, they've been through these wars before and they realize that uh, you know you have to advance and be recognized, and uh Avery Bradley has done that. And we all, you know, we all saw what he could do last year. Uh You know, he and Rondo, together, they make up an unbelievable defensive uh, backcourt. But Avery is a point guard, and so he can run the team. But, you know, when Rondo's out, the ball gets distributed by, you know, different people. It's not just one guy like Steve Nash controlling the ball with the Suns. It's uh, it's three or four guys who are moving the ball, and uh, that's why Pierce is, you know, well he's always capable of picking up, uh, you know, five to eight assists, and Garnett, you know, the ball moving, you know, it, the offense moving through him, you know, that's always uh, pretty effective, and uh, so, yeah, of course we're shocked, but, you know, these they're still in the NBA. The last time I looked, the Celtics, and uh, they've won before. <laughs> And they won before they had Rondo, and they're going to win after uh, all these guys leave. So it's just an outfit that knows how to win. And,
1: and Peter, this is Adam Lowenstein here. I, should, If they are doing so well without Rondo, is there a possibility that he gets traded? Should they trade him? I mean, I, I wouldn't advocate that.
3: I mean, he's he's your biggest young asset, your best young asset. Uh you know, I did did a program with somebody else in this area, in the England area, and telling them the same thing I'm telling you is that uh, you know, very difficult to uh to trade a guard for a big man and that's what they need. So would you trade would you trade Rondo? I mean, would another team accept Rondo for, you know, a, a, a quality I mean a real quality big man? You know, it doesn't happen very often in the NBA. And if it does happen it's it's for a reason. you know, they're worried about one of the other players um with a contract is so prohibitive they're just trying to get rid of it. You know, there have to be a lot of factors that weigh in on that. I I wouldn't advocate trading him. I I advocate building around him and uh, Avery Bradley and Sullinger. if he, you know, if he's able to you know become become more than uh, Greg Oden, you know, that he's, he he's healthy and uh mm-hmm. so they have they have some young pieces and uh yeah, it might take him a year or two or three. But uh, you know, as the Bulls have proved, you know, when Jordan and Pippen left, it takes a few years, and fans are loyal up there, just as they are in Chicago, and and uh, you know they'll they'll get it together again.
4: Well, there was one team that I think would be, I don't know, dying for a point guard. I guess not anymore now that they brought in the uh, guy that uh, Kobe so eloquently named Gatsby. I think that that's the best nickname in basketball. <laughs> But I want to talk a little bit about the Lakers. And yeah. before the season began, um, call me crazy or, or not, I thought the Lakers, at least on paper, if fully healthy, that looked like a team that could have won 70 games.
3: Yeah, well, while you weren't alone. There were a lot of people who felt that. But, uh, you know, it's again, you got you got to look at the way, you know, things are situated and, you know, Howard Howard coming off back surgery and then trying to play injured and, and trying to fit him in with with Nash who uh, now they change coaches and the, the philosophy of the team changes uh, you know so quickly and uh, D'Antoni under the gun and him not having confidence in you know in in, uh, in Pau Gasol and, and Jameson so it just fell apart so quickly you know what I'm thinking of is like I look at I look at Washington and uh, we all had them, you know, that they should have fired Whitman about 27 times at the beginning of the year. And so now Wall comes back, and the team has really picked it up. And uh, I don't know their record since, since Wall came back, but guaranteed it's way above 500. And so so uh, should they have should they have fired Mike Brown? You know? That's <laughs> pretty, pretty fast.
4: It seemed awful fast. Brown. I, I yeah, know the I Wizards mean, are – t- in all retrospect,
3: right. it's, it's it's really fast, because so so Nash came in and they hired they hired Dan because he was the guy who would coach Nash and so they were going to play that system, and then Kobe decides, not not Dan Tony, that uh, no, I think I'm going to be handling the ball most of the time, and'm going to have I'll be the one distributing, so Nash plays off the ball, so now they're not playing Dan Tony's system, so you know what does it all mean? You know, it all meant that during the off season, uh, they they were down on Brown. They they fired a couple of assistants. Uh, they made them go away. I think they both went to Russia, and uh, you know kept kept very few people. And so Brown was under the gun to win immediately, if not sooner. He didn't do it, and they blew it up. And uh, so what I'm saying is, they're looking back, and I'm saying Brown. Brown could easily be still a coach, and they'd be doing just as well as they're doing now, now that everybody is, uh, has gotten their role together and people are healthy.
1: Would you say then that Some the Lakers – not all of them. But... That, exactly, without Pau Gasol, they still don't know what they've done with and him and yet, but Dwight Howard definitely – Also Hill, getting...
3: you know, Jordan Hill for now, too, for, for so long, and then Clark was able to pick up where he left off. So it's, it's amazing how injuries decide an you know, awful lot of what, you know – quote-unquote, you know, great coaches uh, do. So what's the question?
1: Oh, would you say that they have actually figured it out? Then, you know, Dwight Howard's getting healthier now, and, you know, that's helping. And then Kobe, I know the injuries are hurting him right now, but if this team then Gasol jumps in, have they figured it out, and will they be able to do something in the playoffs?
3: Well, you know, Gasol is hurt again, so he had a setback with his foot. So I I don't know if he'll ever come back this year and if he does you know how much will he how much will he be able to you know get him into that get him into the rotation without hurting the rotation so they they have they have gotten it together because they played longer you know they they finally have you know a system it's not the Anthony system it's Kobe's system i, I if i had a vote this year he'd be my coach of the year i'd vote for Kobe and and uh <laughs> You know, it's healthy. You know, Dwight is Dwight is getting much healthier, but it's also because you know Nash is getting him the ball in the right spot. Dwight, you know, Kobe's looking for him, making sure he gets more touches, and he's and he's not so caught up in getting touches. He's getting a lot of his stuff off the backboard, as they used to tell you know the big men when I was playing as a, as a kid. You want the ball, go get it. You know, <laughs> go get it, buddy, and uh, and run the floor. And you get it that way. So I mean, it is coming together. But it, you know, they were also they a team that's you know not 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 that deep. Um, but they got Kobe went healthy. You know, he might be as good as LeBron.
4: And speaking <laughs> of LeBron, thank you very much. That was You're a joke. Right into... That was a joke. <laughs> I, know, I know. I don't right. think okay. I don't think anyone is. I not anyone's in the same stratosphere at the moment, and especially. I mean, during this win, win streak, you got to talk about that. Uh won today again over the Raptors, so now pushing it to 22 games in a row, tied second all-time it w- wins. And that month of February, was that maybe the best month of basketball that you've maybe ever seen from a player? I mean, LeBron put up 20, almost 30 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, 7.8 assists. I mean, those are just the numbers. He shot over 64% from the field and right. 80% from the line. It, it, at least in my recent memory, and I know I'm, I, I, I don't go way back, but what, yeah. this might be the best month I've ever seen.
3: Right. Well, you're so young, you know. <laughs> so I've actually seen Oscar play, and I, you know I've seen Elgin play, and, and uh, a guy named Wilt play. So you know I, I, I've seen these numbers before. I've even seen them from Fat Lever. But um, I, I, I yeah, he's playing. He's playing fantastic ball. The, the greatest thing about. Uh, LeBron is is that he's able to do he, he, he's, he's been able to do everything within the flow of the game he's not forcing the issue anywhere and secondly he's doing it on the defensive end and that and that separates him from so many others is because you know you nobody would ever said Oscar is a you know going to make all all team uh, all defense first second or third team that wasn't going to happen same with Baylor and his guys. So LeBron you know, separates himself, just like Kobe Kobe did for so many years as a defensive player. Jordan did with Pippen. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, he's he's just playing great. And it's, and it's a privilege to be watching him the way it was a privilege to be watch, watching the people I had just named back in the day.
4: And it's... Uh, with LeBron, just just how how well, how well he has been playing, he's saying it's kind of in the flow of the game he's been doing it on both ends of the court, which is definitely something i don't think he's necessarily done throughout his career, at least every mm-hmm. night in and night out that he could always count on. But now that he's doing it, I mean, are we reaching? We saw it last year in the playoffs what what he can do are we Have we even reached his apex? Can, can he go even higher? Because I thought last season the playoffs well, was really as good as he could be, but maybe he has yeah. more.
3: Well, I mean it's it's more within the team, and you know it's it's, it's a compliment of Wade and, and Bosh, and and you know even Chris Anderson and and uh, Battier, they're all they're all on the same wavelength defensively and and offensively, and of course he can go higher because LeBron will be the first one, and every great player will tell you that. You know, you, you go home each summer no matter you know, win win or lose win or lose a championship and you and you learn something more, you know, whether it's a, a post up game or you know, you work on your outside shooting or you decide not to take as many outside shots, whatever it is that's gonna make you better. Uh LeBron has figured it out. He he gets better every year. I, I think you're wrong about his defense. I think his defence was always there. And uh, you know, it wasn't noticed as much, you know, when you don't when you when you're not winning as much as the heat are and uh, it's it's overlooked an awful lot and you pick up we all, you know, zero in on his weaknesses and and uh you know, we're all guilty of that. And um so now they're they're winning and we're all saying, you know, the greatest and and he is, he is one of the greatest. There's no no question about it.
1: And, you know, oh, of course the greatest need some help. And Dwayne Wade has now scored at least 20 points in 13 consecutive games, his longest streak since LeBron has come to town. And he has been mm-hmm. a big reason for this streak. Would you mm-hmm. say that, you know, keeping him in the lineup and playing these guys to continue this streak is important to, you know, to set the new record? Or should they be resting guys down the stretch because they have that number one seed locked up?
3: Well, they don't have home court locked up in the finals. So, no, I mean, look. You don't you don't want to be resting people, you know, unless you, unless you're uh, you know Duncan's age and Popovich is going to rest rest him every once in a while now, as long you know same as uh, Ginobili. But uh, you know, these guys need to play; they need to be peaking; they don't need to be sitting. And you don't worry about you know getting hurt. I'm not saying overplay them, and I'm sure they're not playing for the record, but they're playing to win because of the home court. It is it is meaningful in the finals. Home. not in the east it might not be you know they probably could you know lose three games on the road and, and uh, at home and win four on the road you know what i mean that's how good they are but um uh, i don't think we'll see them have bows and malone give them a foe 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 and then uh, reach the finals and then we'll then we got a
4: game and speaking of the finals looking at the western conference which is I mean, it has been better for quite some time, at least in terms of depth. Um, what, what team's there? I mean, Oklahoma City, we know what they can do. They're in the finals last year. San Antonio, I, I, I think that they're right there with OKC and Miami. Is there anyone else in the West that could challenge the Heat in the finals?
0: Well,
3: I mean, can they get to the finals? That's, that's what you're asking. So. Yeah. I think any team that reaches the finals from the West can can give can give the Heat a game because that means they've they've caught through some much stiffer competition than than the Heat is going to have to go through, and uh, you're talking maybe four or five teams if you want to throw in the Lakers, you know, healthy, you know, with with or without Gasol, they're still going to be formidable, and uh, you know maybe maybe not again, you know, maybe it's all about matchups, it's all about being healthy. And it's all about peaking. So Oklahoma City, not a good matchup for the Lakers last year. Probably wouldn't be this year either. Um, But, you know, you said, yeah, they were in the finals last year, but they were in the finals with Harden. And Harden had had a lot to do with them getting there, even though he didn't do much once they got there. Um, You know, he's just, they're going to miss him. I don't care what anybody says. You know, talk about, you know, who they got and, uh and uh, what they're capable of doing, yeah. But they're not capable of doing what Harden's doing. And um, so they better reach the finals. Otherwise, it was a terrible deal.
4: And right? I mean, you, you have to think so, because if you make a trade and you go backwards, obviously that's that's not the point. Uh, the Not only rock- backwards,
3: if they don't reach it this year, what makes them think they're going to do it the year after or the year after that? They just gave away, you know, one of the top play- – gave away, I say – one of the top players in the league. How do they? How do they get that back?
5: Is you know, before it, it,
3: they were getting
4: it, not replacing let him? Let me just finish. Oh, okay. Before they
3: were getting it because they were finishing bad and you know, terrible in the uh, in the standings, and they were able to get top picks in Westbrook and and Harden. Even though I wouldn't have picked either one of those guys, they kind of shocked me. But you know, they they made great picks, and now you know they they're not going to be in that position. So. If they don't reach that finals, you know the the owner, the general manager, they made a terrible deal. I say they made it anyway.
4: So, looking at obviously with with the loss of James Harden, the production it's it's really hard to replace. Not just that, I think obviously you look at the chemistry too. But I don't know. Maybe they weren't exactly trying to replace his production as, as much as. And I really didn't agree with the trade because I think they could afford him. But looking at their best player in Kevin Durant, is it something where he still has more levels to go? It, it could be something where he has just bad timing getting into the league right now in, in the middle of what LeBron is doing. But he could be the first player, I believe, to lead the NBA in scoring uh, while putting up well, while shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the line. That season right now is getting overshadowed, I think.
3: You know what? All, all you, you mentioned the statistics to me—they're meaningless unless they get into the finals. I mean, what does it mean? Nothing. Who cares if he's overlooked? You know, it's all—all it, 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 all it matters is—are they going to get in there? And you say, could they have afforded him? They, they absolutely could have afforded him this year, Harden. There was no luxury tax problem this year with Harden. The problem was after this year. So if they had—if they had. Invested the money, taken the shot with Harden, then decided after, during the summer. Okay, do we want to trade Harden? Well, maybe we don't want to trade Harden. Maybe we want to trade Westbrook. Maybe maybe we want to to amnesty Perkins. You know, there were there were ways to do it, and and you know, it just creeps me out that uh, we're talking about billionaires being able to afford a luxury tax one way or the other. They're billionaires.
4: I you billionaires? I agree.
3: You know, I mean, you're, for these guys to be crying about luxury, luxury taxes and stuff like that, where's George Steinbrenner? Oh, let me talk to him. I want, I want him to say something about this. you want to win or don't you want to win? And, uh, you know, I, I brought this up on another program. You know, for years I worked for Rupert Murdoch, New York Post, okay, owns the New York Post. The Post hasn't made money since I was, like, in high school. And that's that's going back a decade or two, and and so why does Rupert Murdoch keep them? Because keep the post because he loves having a voice in New York, he loves having the newspaper. And guess what? He makes it up in, in probably you know six hundred thousand other different ways in his in his business, you know. And and that's, he doesn't care about losing. He writes it off just like these guys. Write off so the luxury tax cost Yeah, they write it off, and then they write it off against owning a team. They write it off their other businesses, and it's a joke. I don't. I don't want to hear about billionaires complaining about luxury tax. <laughs> go, uh, go into another. Get, get out of the league, then.
4: Very, very well said. Uh, everyone's playing on the same field with, with the same amount of the salary cap, and everyone's working within the same rules. Um, I do want to talk to you about your hometown Knicks a little bit. Um, looking right now, now that they've fallen down to the three seed, and I guess the biggest thing in my mind when I look at this team, and obviously the the, the two names, the two superstars between Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire together, they're about a 500 team when they're both playing. Can it work? Will, will it work in the playoffs? Is there any way it can possibly work with Stoudemire and, and Mello on the floor at the same time? Well,
3: first first, of all, I mean, I'm sure you're following it. Stoudemire's not even around anymore. He's gone. He's he's, at, he's out for six to eight weeks. So, so what's he going to do? You know, why are we even talking about it? I, 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 I even...
4: guess I just mean I guess I just mean long, long term. Well,
3: long term, long term. He might not. You know, this guy's had more trouble with his knees um than 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 anyone I know that uh that 's why his knees are uninsurable they don 't have they don 't have insurance against his knees they go down the, the Knicks are liable for forty five more million after this year you know look it up how many times when they when they signed him that I said this is a, a terrible move to bring in a guy for hundred million dollars uh his own team his own team's doctors the Suns, said they wouldn 't give him more than three years he 's in his third year now you know he's hardly played this year he didn't play he didn't play a lot of games last year he's on the way out so there's no reason to even talk about compatibility they seem to be much more compatible together when they're both not playing the team seems to be doing better not today not on this road trip but you know it it's a bad joke but but it's it's uh you know there really is no reason to talk about the Knicks right now they uh, mello's got big knee problems you know Chandler's hurting. You know whatever his might not be serious, but mellow mellows appear to be serious. When you start draining knees of fluids, you have a problem, and you you have a recurring problem. So I I can't take them seriously anymore. They're they've got they've got four or five guys that you know should be in assisted living, and uh, you know that uh, they're an old team going nowhere in my book. Uh, that's why the East is the Heat owns the East. You know the Pacers. You know I thought they had a I thought they had a, a decent shot till I saw them get you know dismantled you know twice this past week, and when Philly does it to you, you really you really got to start wondering. And um, so I, you know, again, Eastern Conference belongs to Miami, and um, you know we'll, we'll we'll all tune in on the West.
1: Well, would you say that the Celtics have any shot or any team has any shot in the East then? You know, if the not, Pacers obviously none, n- nothing for any team in the East then.
3: Not not to beat the Heat. No, I don't. I mean, unless, unless you know, you, you, they have a bad injury to one of those three guys. You know, yeah. we saw when Bosch was out last year, Pacers had him down 2 1 and, and should have. Should have applied the pressure. Instead, they took the pressure off and just was, you know, reverted to, to shooting three pointers. And and we know what happens when the when the Heat ha- pick up three point long three point misses. They convert them to layups or dunks. So um, no, I I don't see I don't see uh, the Celtics having a chance. I don't see any team having a chance.
4: Looks like it's all Heat in the East and the West. Couple teams. With a possibility, we're getting down to the playoffs, about 15, 17 games left. Uh, been talking to Peter Vesey, long-time columnist at the New York Post, also the, a winner of uh, the Kurt Gowdy Award, the Media Award, Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Mr. Vesey. Really appreciate your time today.
0: Sure. Okay. And
4: uh, Looking forward, though, it, right now, it, if you had to pick a winner, Uh, looking into the playoffs, do you say it's the Heat winning again and LeBron getting his second title? Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. You heard it here on CLNS Radio. Again, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your time. Uh, Have a great rest of your St. Patrick's Day. All
3: right. Thanks for having me on. Take
4: care. Thank you very much. That was the always well-stated, opinionated Mr. Peter Vesey. Some very good stuff. (sighs) I I, I like how... um, up front he was. I mean, I, I honestly didn't realize that Amari just just went down again. Uh, but that's definitely a storyline. I think Oh, you, that oh, you is, didn't you didn't know, is, know that. Um, I, I guess I haven't been checking all the box scores. I really only look at what Carmelo does because he's on my fantasy team. So <laughs> I know he's a little bit annoyed with that. No, I know Amari's kind of kind of kind of been in and out. But it's also looking long term. I mean, I assume that Amari Anthony, uh, excuse me, Amari Statemire, <laughs> got a little bit mixed up. Uh, no, I have. Uh, I, uh, I am right. I'm not celebrating St. Patrick's Day yet. But Amari Sonnyer, I, I think he has to be the biggest luck for getting amnesty this off season. Don't you think?
1: That's a tough one. I, you know, I don't really. I'm not the best with this amnesty in, in the contract situations. I can't see it happening. It just doesn't seem like that's something that the Knicks would do because he's such a talent when he's on the floor. But you know, with Melo, it's still a possibility
4: because they can't coexist. It's just, and that's the biggest point. Who are you going to go with? I mean, it's a little sad in a way because Amari stanmar that's the reason they got Carmelo Anthony to come to New York in the first place, I think. I believe he was just that first big fish to fall. And then Carmelo said, okay, let me join you. And... He brought they they both basically brought excitement and basketball back to Madison Square Garden. It still really hasn't amounted to much, especially in the playoffs. And if Carmelo Anthony can be healthy, it's just it's just that one question: how far can they go in the playoffs? I think they have the second highest ceiling in the Eastern Conference behind Miami because of Carmelo Anthony. And when he's healthy, at times he can be. Even when LeBron's on the floor, he can be the best offensive player on the court at any given moment in any game. He's that good. He's that talented.
1: He's arguably one of the best scorers in you know the NBA over the last few decades, and it's impressive what he's done. And that's why you know the Knicks do have a shot if he's somewhat healthy. Then you know I'm I'm surprised that, that Peter went into saying Peter Vesey said you know that the Knicks are done. I'm surprised. I feel like people are counting them out now, and it's counting them out too early, because this team is very deep. The Celtics coming into the season were very deep. I was looking at the Knicks as well as a very deep team. Teams that can shoot, and this Knicks team can shoot the lights out. The first few weeks, the first few months of the season, they were shooting better than any team in basically NBA
4: history from the three-point range. And And it's hard, the one thing, though, that's hard to replicate. That's hard to continue and count on in the postseason. You can't count on that you're going to be on fire from three-point range. Miami had a couple good games in the finals. You're not going to have Mike Miller hitting seven threes every single time. That's just not something you can count on. Uh, uh, I, I know you can't count on it, but can you say that the Knicks then have a chance? I feel like
1: writing them off is the wrong way of going about this. That's the reason why, because they have with that With the chance.
4: firepower. Yeah, yes. with the firepower. And then the other thing that he brought up that you really can't ignore is the age. This is a very old team. There's some guys, they yeah. thought about being in old um, retirement homes or just maybe should be getting the Social Security checks at this point. I mean, that's the other thing, how much can you really count on uh, when it really starts to grind out in, in the postseason. I mean, right now, looking at the team, Tyson Chandler, he's played all 62 games. Steven Novak, he's played 62.
1: Well, Tyson Chandler, no, Tyson Chandler went down. He no, He hasn't played recently.
4: He, he's, oh, sorry, he's played 62 games. Oh. I'm just being off the, the oh, most amount. And then J.R. Smith has the most games played with 63. Oh, okay, yeah. So, and, and yeah, he can light it up with the best of them. But if Carmelo Anthony's not healthy, there's just no way. I mean, right now, 27 and a half a game second in the NBA, but he's only played 52 games. It, it's his health. And that's that's the key. That's the key for any team going forward. One thing I did want to bring up, and I talked a little bit about them. I didn't get a chance to ask about Uh Kind of got back to the Eastern Conference, but I want to go back to the West a little bit. And I want to hear what you have to think about this team. I already talked about their point guard in the Denver Nuggets with Ty Lawson, but this is a team that would go against playoff wisdom, conventional playoff wisdom, and that you know you kind of have to have a, a dom- I, I think you gotta have a guy who can take over a game completely. This is just. A crazy deep team. It's a team that can score a ton of points. Right now, they're putting up 105.8 a game. But just some big numbers. They're Second in the league in rebounds per game of 45. Third in assists at 24.4. And Lawson's only at seven assists a game. So everyone's getting in the action. I mean, you got six guys averaging double figures. Nine guys on the team averaging at least eight and a half points a game going down to uh, Kufos, Andre Miller, Javel McGee, Wilson Chandler, Corey Brewer, Kenneth Farid, Andre Agudali, Danilo Gallinari, and Ty Lawson. That's a lot of players with a lot of talent. George Carl hasn't necessarily had much success in the playoffs. Is this the year? Because they're thirty and three at home. You can almost count on them winning their playoff games at home. All they would need to do, theoretically, is steal one on the road. Well, let's
1: let's take a step back. Actually, let's dig into the numbers now that I'm thinking about it. Let's see their free throw percentage, second worst in the league. That might lose a game at home. I'm worried that against an upper echelon team in the, you know, in the league, and they might have to face Memphis or the Clippers. They're not going to be able to get an easy team like Golden State or Houston or even the Lakers in the first round. They're going to have to have a tough team, and when you make those small mistakes, That's what's going to hurt them at home. And I'm just not sure they're going to be able to take all three games at home. And, you know, they may even get the home court because they're right on the edge of that four seed. But I'm just not sure because of their, you know, their lack of a star. You know, when you have Andre Iguodala taking your biggest shots or Danilo Gallinari taking your biggest shots, you're not taking – the you're not giving it to the best player in the NBA like you're giving it to a Kobe or a Melo or a
4: LeBron. You're giving it to a guy that hasn't been in the stardom that much, and I just don't and you know who else hasn't things. been in that role though? They can pick on the worst defensive player on the court though. Hmm. That gives them some versatility. And another thing I wanna uh, I I want to say I know you brought up a team like Memphis. They're definitely a a, a very big team. New York. Yeah. Well, when they're healthy that. They are Clippers. They've got some size. Atlanta, I think, has some of the maybe the best front court uh, in the Eastern Conference. And Oklahoma City, we know how much size they have. They the, the Denver Nuggets have won 11 games in a row right now. They they're coming off a game on Friday against the Memphis Grizzlies, 87 to 80 victory. When's the last time you saw Denver do that? Now
1: that's impressive. Because and they also
4: yeah. oh sorry real Girl, quick go ahead. also go ahead. in this winning streak. Game oh, over the Knicks. That was the game before. Also, a win against the Clippers. That was by 15. They beat the Hawks by 16 points. They beat Oklahoma City. And also, going back, they, they did beat the Lakers, too, obviously, with Dwight Howard. That's a lot of size to deal with, uh, among others. Uh, some of their players at other positions are also fairly tall. So, they've beaten teams by getting up and down the court very quickly they've beaten teams by slowing it down against Memphis who is arguably the best defensive team in the NBA so Denver has shown in this winning streak and maybe I'm just blinded by that right now but they've shown the versatility to beat teams in multiple styles this year which hasn't always been the case and it's having a guy like Andre Iguodala who is quite possibly the best swingman defender in the NBA. I'm not going to say perimeter because I think you got to put Avery Bradley into that, that discussion, at least guarding point guards. But if you're telling me that I'm going to have Andre Iguodala guarding a Kobe Bryant at the end of the game per se, or maybe he's on a Manu Ginobili, possibly, or shutting down someone on OKC, I'm okay with that.
1: See, it's an interesting situation because before I, I continue to see what I can, you know, conjure up to to go against your point, I want to add one more about the Nuggets, and they're on pace to actually have the most points per paint points in the paint per game in NBA history as far as you know since they started tracking the stat in 1996-1997 season. So, you know, they're they're averaging around you're just under 60 a game, which is you know astronomical. a lot of that it's you have impressive.
4: to look at being fast break opportunities and that obviously when the playoffs roll around they're not going to be able to get 60 points a game consistently in a playoff game maybe a couple times at home or just every so often but you're not going to do that for four games in a series per se
1: theoretically thank, thank you for setting that up because that's exactly where i wanted to go with it you took the words right out of my mouth that was perfectly explained because i'm just worried that in that type of situation this team is not going to be able to take advantage of these types of you know ways that they're able to you know win games in the regular season the reason why they're able to go on these streaks is because they're able to run teams out of the building i just don't know if they're going to be able to do that to memphis um you know it's it's unfortunate that they do so well in the in the regular season. It's a situation that I think of with the Chicago Bulls. There is no another level for this team. If anything, it's a step back because they're not able to go in that fast break as much. They're able to use that when they can. But I think against a team like Memphis, the Clippers, they might actually have a better chance against. I like I like Memphis over Denver, but I like Denver over the Clippers. I'm just not that big of a fan of the Clippers just because if they have kind of the similar styles as Denver, and Denver, if anything, if if they can just you know take Chris Paul out of it, which will be tough. They can take Chris Paul out of it. They can definitely win that series in in six. But Memphis, um, I'm looking at that as the the 4-5 or matchup, and I just don't know if if Denver's going to be able to win that many games when they have such a poor free-throw shooting team and they lose that fast break in the playoffs.
4: It's almost a shame that we're going to have to watch one of those teams bow out of the playoffs because, as I was kind of saying before, you have the Heat up top. You have San Antonio, Oklahoma City right under that in the West, and then between the Clippers, Grizzlies, and Nuggets, just three – teams that i mean i think they could give those teams above them trouble i know you kind of they haven't necessarily done it before and that is a big factor we heard betsy say how the celtics they're it's a jersey that it's a uniform that knows how to win and have the clippers really done that before no they have some guys on the bench who have been there before which i think will help them in the long run and honestly one of the biggest things and i just saw espn they do those five on fives every so often and one of the questions recently was is blake griffin having a better year i think than carmelo anthony and that's a guy that really hasn't been talked about but he's really rounding into much more of a complete player we all know what he can do above the rim and on the fast break but defensively he's improved a lot he's worked on his low post game So that's going to be a big factor for how far the Clippers can go because as good as Chris Paul is, he needs that second banana.
1: Oh, absolutely, and that's the reason why that Clippers team, we're not sure because on every every night we don't even know who else is going to be able to help out Chris Paul. I think we were talking about this with several teams uh, now that we're looking at the star being surrounded by the rest of the team. But you need, like with Miami, you need a few stars to step it up. And if Blake Griffin can get into that stardom potential, if he can make it up there, then the Clippers have a chance. They have a legitimate shot. But the problem is, once again, they have a very similar style to Denver, and that's why you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these playoffs for the Western Conference. But most likely, we're guessing that San Antonio and Oklahoma City, who are the only teams so far to clinch playoff spots, will be battling it out for the Western Conference uh, team in the final.
4: It's so great when you bring up the star power necessary in the playoffs and not to take away from what Cameron and Paul Pierce have done throughout their careers, but that's really my biggest reason why the Celtics need a, need a Rondo and are going to miss him, and that's going to really show up in the playoffs when they don't have that top guy, that top-tier guy at the top of this game. Rondo is a, can be the best point guard in the NBA. He's right up there with Chris Paul in just his all-around game. And that's the reason why I think the Celtics are missing him. But they've been playing very well. They have a game tomorrow night against the Miami Heat. And after that game, you don't want to miss the CLNS Radio post-game show. That will be a good one. I'm writing the recap for that. So if you can't catch a show, can't catch a game, want to read up a little bit about it, I'll be typing away furiously throughout the game. Just have about a minute left in the show. Thank you so much. To all our guests today, Bob Lick, former voice of the New Orleans Hornets. Great to talk to him about some Hornets, a little bit of Terps in there with Vasquez. I can't believe he said Vasquez would be a lottery pick. I mean, it's kind of easy to see when he's third in the NBA in assists. Yeah. But if you want to follow him, that's at Horton Homers. And if you also are interested, Peter Vesey, again, he's a longtime columnist for the New York Post, great NBA basketball mind, and you and also was on NBC when they carried the NBA. Follow him at Peter Vesey One. But we're running out of time. It's been a great show. You can follow us at the Celtics Beat. It's at Celtics underscore Beat. You can follow myself at Daniel underscore Baker Nine on Twitter. You can follow Stats Adam, my co-host for the night, at Stats Adam. It's been a wonderful show. Thank you so much to all our listeners. Sorry we couldn't get the calls today. We'll take some more in the future. For everybody at CLNS on Radio, my name is Daniel Baker. We are out.